Okay, we're recording. According to Jordan, we are recording. All right. Um, this is going to be a hard open, I think. Here we go. Welcome back to the Jordan Phoenix Show. Thank you so much for being here with us today. My guest today, none other than Kevin K. Newman. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. That's some fire on the intro music right there, man. Thank you. Thank you. you Thanks for being around. here, Kevin. So uh, Kevin is the <laughs> the event operations specialist at the Moonrise Hotel. Uh, layman's terms, he's the event coordinator, event manager at the Moonrise uh, Hotel here in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, more importantly, a Limburg alumni, a mm. longtime friend. We both grew up in the mean streets of Crestwood, Missouri. Mm. And um, Kevin is a strange and funny person who is multi-talented and has lots of <laughs> interesting stories uh, about uh life and the hotel industry and i don't know how deep we're gonna get into those or what we can or can't say but we're gonna hopefully push the limits a little bit <laughs> and get into some some wild stories um yeah man i was uh voted most spontaneous in our high school class so you know i, have, I haven't let that down ever since i took that award very seriously so i like to live my life on the edge <laughs> we ran into each other uh as you know as this happens after high school. You see less and less of people that you wish you could see. Um, but we ran into each other in a parking garage and then talked for like an hour straight. And I was like, this was actually before I'd even started the podcast. And I yeah. was like, I was like, actually like, fuck, we need to be recording this. It was actually, you were one of the probably like, on one hand, I could count these conversations that happened in rapid succession of like pushing me to be like, I need to do a podcast because th these are interesting conversations. And I feel like we kind of got deep into some sort of like universal truths about growing up and, and, you know, going after your dreams and all that kind of silly stuff that I was like, man, this is anyway. Yeah. So, and then I saw you again in the schnooks parking lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't know what you're up to Jordan, hang out in all these parking lots, but I'm catching <laughs> you left and right. And, uh, I like what you're putting down, man. We had some good ideas. I agree. We we're both in a hurry. So it's nice. We could sit down and yeah. Thank you for making the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So Kevin, uh, let's think about where we want to start. I want to start with, you kind of gave me a heads up on some of these stories. So I want to just get into some of these stories because, okay, you basically see a bunch of wild shit at your job. Um, I'm sure there are some mundane things that happen there too, but um, why don't we just get into a story? I want to hear about, okay, the podcast has been, and I apologize for people listening because it's not the intent of the podcast, but it's been very uh, band centric, sure. um, which is not the goal of the podcast, but it's kind of happened that way. So in that vein, I want to hear about some wild band stories because the, the Moonrise is right next to the pageant, which is like this huge, obviously, um, oh, there it goes, uh, this big uh, concert venue. So a ton of bands just like spend the night next door at like this dope hotel, right? Yeah, if they're not getting on the tour bus at night, they'll stay with us. And just to give people a general idea of what I do. So when somebody rents the space out at the hotel, they see me. 
So if they're having any kind of an event from a wedding to a birthday party, a corporate event, a drag show, whatever we're going to do, I'm your guy. I'll make it happen. And uh, I see all sorts of different people come through and a lot of them at the same time. So that's another interesting thing about my job is I can be doing three different events at the same time on three different floors. Oh, wow. I may have a class reunion on the first floor. I may have a wedding reception on the eighth floor, the rooftop, and then maybe some sort of a corporate happy hour on the second floor. So some of them are mundane. I got the bread and butter, corporate stuff, nine to five, PowerPoint presentations, that type of thing. But yeah. uh, the reason I love my job and I've been doing it for six years, I've done about 7,000 events in that time is because of the kind of the crazy night events. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Joe Edwards, you know, he owns the pageant. He owns uh, the Moonrise Hotel. He owns Delmar Hall now as well. Um, so I see all sorts of groups come through. I've been lucky enough to meet artists from Beck, Cheryl Crow, Andre 3000. Um, all that are staying at the hotel. All staying at the hotel. So you see them in their jammies and kind of see the... Yeah, kind of the thing is is that like if, if they talk to us then it's fair game. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I try to give them their privacy, but if, you know, if I'm on the elevator with someone, I'll say hello. And if I get the vibe that they're like feeling sociable, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll see if I can hang out with them. You know, I had a beer with uh, Chino Marino from the Deftones. No way. Hanging out with Alex Turner from the Arctic Monkeys at Pinup Bowl next door, closing the place down. Yeah. Uh, and then some bands that aren't as big that I love, like the Black Lips. I party with those guys quite a bit. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, they're just passing through, but it's, they're on this uh, kind of odyssey across the country where some of them are looking to get in trouble. Some of them are looking to live a healthy life. Um, some of them, you know, all the stuff you hear about throwing windows or, excuse me, uh, TVs through the window and all that. That stuff's true. Uh, it actually gets worse than that. A lot of people smoking that marijuana in the rooms quite a bit. Yeah. Um, For medicinal purposes. And, you know, a lot of Taking artists ended up on the rooftop just, you know, trying to trying to get the party going up there, trying to meet some local ladies. The uh, the female artists are usually more well-behaved than the male artists. I don't believe that. I mean, I don't know if that's 2020 <laughs> or what, man, but it's just what I see every yeah. night. Um, yeah, man. So, uh, so generally when they get off stage, they got this adrenaline rush and they want to kind of keep the party going on the rooftop. Um, that's cool. That's cool. So that story wasn't exciting. Um, I need more. I need a dirty, I need some like dirty, you don't have to use names. Like, let's get, what do you got? You got something nasty. What's the nasty thing that's happened there? You know, man, it's, it's the, uh, the bands, they're, they're kind of predictable. Um, it's really the, the weddings and the class reunions and things like that. It's the everyday people that do the most extreme stuff. That's a, tr- <laughs> um, you know, there's a, there's one funny story I got for you, Jordan. So I was doing a graduation party for one of these all boys schools, uh, Priory or yeah. MICDS, I don't know, Viani, yeah, one of sure. them. Yeah, yeah. So I had about 50, uh, 50 high school kids on the rooftop and they were, you know, sneaking liquor in, they were dancing, getting wild. And all of a sudden it's like, this party's super quiet. Yeah. Like, where is everybody? And I look out, and if you know our rooftop, there's a terrace that overlooks the parking lot, and you can kind of see some of the hotel rooms, so on and so on. So all these kids are lined up. This is like my first month I work there, so I'm trying to keep my job at this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so I peek over the edge, and they're all looking in the window of this hotel room, and it's a bride and a groom. 
and I know they're a bride and a groom because the gentleman still has his tux on from the waist up, <laughs> bow tie and everything, and the bride still has her dress on. Oh, and my. Dude, they're going at it. Like, you know, it's the like wedding you do night. You, right, the first time they've ever made love. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, potentially. Yeah. They look pretty good at it, so I don't know. It didn't look like the first time, but uh, they were going at it, and these kids, dude, they got their cell phones out and everything, and I'm thinking like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Yeah. I don't even know the lay of the hotel yet, so I just ran to the seventh floor, where I guess they were, went up to the door that I guess they were in. I didn't yeah. know what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, hey, there's 50 high schoolers watching you right now. <laughs> so yeah. I just, uh, housekeeping, uh, we ask that everyone close their windows and turn their music down. This is quiet hours. Thank you. I'm like, I hope that works. <laughs> so I book it back upstairs as fast as I can. And sure enough, the groom is, uh, he's over and, and he starts to uh, close the window. Yeah. And it's nighttime. So, you know, you can see in, but you can't really see out from in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of puts his hands around his eyes to look out the window. And sure enough, this, this groom sees all these kids staring at him. And you could tell he just puts it together. They've been watching him the whole time. Oh, my God. And I'm like, well, I'm done. <laughs> and sure enough, man, this dude just starts acting like he scored a touchdown. He starts dancing. He starts <laughs> celebrating. These high school guys are going crazy. And uh, he closed the window up, and that's when I was like, I think I'm going to like this job. <laughs> that's great, man. That's <laughs> So that <laughs> I feel like <laughs> you made me – I think this just speaks to, like, what a deviant mind I have. But, like, when you were <laughs> – you were like, oh, I got these wild stories. I mean, that's kind of a cute story, you know? Like, I don't know. I, I was thinking, like, really bad stuff, but I think my mind just wandered into dark places. But – uh I mean, I see the dark stuff, too. Uh, there was uh, one evening. You murders. There, ha oh, there, have, murders. there have been some uh, homicide cases going around. Well, it's the loop, you know, so that's that's not unusual for that for that area. By the way, that voice that dropped in, I forgot to introduce him. Uh, yeah. Podcaster. Uh, podcaster. Pro <laughs> producer. Pro Drusser. <laughs> Pro Drusser Drew is here. Um and you'll be hearing a lot more from him. He's going to probably sit in on a lot of these and help me sound smart. As I last uh, last podcast, I thought uh, Thursday, I couldn't remember the name of, well, I did remember immediately the name, Full Collapse of an album, but then I second-guessed myself, and I was uh, with Ricky from Foxing. We were just staring at each other, and I was like, Full Collapse, right? No. It's th Thursday thrice? It was a long, it was too long, and so I'm glad that Drew can then be here and be like, no, no, it was released in 1997. Yeah, your right-hand man right here. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that was the point where I should have said something because I've been like, oh, oh, I should say something here. Oh, I should say something here because I like, I'm a quip guy, so I'm not good at like having a long conversation, but I can be like, <laughs> you can oh, quip in. here's a funny thing, and then I'll jump back out. Yeah. But, but I was like, they should probably uh, know who this other voice is. You should just make your voice sound exactly like mine, and then you can just make me sound even smarter by yeah. just saying good shit. Okay, I'll work on that. I will say you have, you have a calming energy about you. He does, right? The first you time know, I met him, I, I felt You calm. definitely put me at ease when I sat down here. Jordan, he's a wild card, but, you, <laughs> but, I, but I'm, I'm, feeling, uh, I'm feeling definitely, you know, good energy from from that side of the table <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair so how does one get into into the the hotel business into because what, what were you doing before events uh management yeah at so Moonrise? you know you met hans growing up that's my stepdad who raised yeah. me he was a great chef he he cooked for uh 
for Ronald Reagan. He cooked for Prince. He traveled the world. He did ice sculptures. He, he did it on the highest level possible. Yeah. So I was always in the food and beverage world. Um, I started working at an art gallery, multicultural center, and we were looking for ways to make money and it was a beautiful space. So I said, why don't we start doing events here? So that's when I did my first weddings. I did my first uh, art shows. I did my first uh, nonprofit events. And that was just me trying to find my way. Um, but at the time, I was still very, like, um, introverted. I always thought of myself as, like, an artist. You know, I'm like, I thought I'd be the guy who, like, goes off to the cabin in the woods and writes the masterpiece and comes back type introverted person. Yeah. And my sister was like, no, dude, you're just a bummer to hang out with. Like, like you should, <laughs> you know, you should be yeah. a bit more extroverted. So, uh, so I started doing door-to-door sales. Um, I did that for, for quite a bit to kind of get out of my shell and learned how to talk to people and kind of learn how to, if I felt some fear within me, that probably meant I was about to do something important. Yeah. That's, a, um, yeah. and I started pursuing that. And then as luck would have it, I was getting my MBA at Webster. Um, Tommy Dreyer, close friend of ours, asked me to come work at Uptown Cafe and that's a, a restaurant in Clayton. And he and I started running this restaurant. So I would do all the front of house stuff and he would do all the back of house stuff. Yeah. And then I realized I kind of had a knack for, uh, for that side of things, dealing with people. Hospitality. And, yeah, yeah. And just dealing with people who are stressed, calming them down. Yeah. Understanding how to uh, disengage people and, and get them to a place to where we're all having a good time. Um, so I had done the events at the nonprofit. I had run this restaurant. I did door-to-door sales, and then the opportunity for the Moonrise came up, and that was me kind of putting all three of those things together. So I was utilizing my food and beverage because I'm dealing with the chef. I'm dealing with the bar to make sure these events go well. Yeah. You know, I'm dealing with the clients. So that's my door-to-door sales. I'm taking people who are in very stressful situations and letting them know, hey, it's okay. I got this. Whatever you're worried about, trust me. You just have a good time. I'll take care of all that stuff. What, um, what was it like getting because you were like underqualified for the job right or like maybe not underqualified but you were I never worked in a hotel yeah yeah you were Mm -hmm. like basically coming in as like well here's all these things that could potentially make me a good fit but it's not like an a to a thing like Mm -hmm. I guess what what was it like um stoking yourself up to like go for that opportunity or were you like just throwing stuff at I mean you know I mean like did you like, how did that process go to get the balls to, like, go in there and be like, I'm the right guy for this job that I have yeah, never done so, before? Yeah, you know, so, you know, I mentioned his name, Hans. So, Hans had just died in January, and I got the job offer in February. So, at this time, like, I felt like I was at a crossroads in my life and almost as though this opportunity was was uh, given to me at, a, you know, this transcendental time in my yeah, life, yeah. serendipitous time. And, uh, I remember I felt like you were kind of floating, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what I want to do kind of thing. And I know, yeah, I, you know, dealing with Hans, I'm sure was hard. And yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it was one night where I was working at that nonprofit, like, and I was doing these events and I was taught when I was growing up, you don't leave until the job is done. Yeah. And I had stayed late one night and I uh, was working on this uh, world chess hall of fame event and there. And someone came in, um, her and her husband came in to make sangria and they're like, what are you still doing here? Everybody's home. And I was like, well, I wasn't quite happy. You know, I was still working on stuff. And she remembered that about me and she was working at the moonrise hotel and she was like, Oh, why don't I ask Kevin? I remember him. He does events. Let's bring him in here. 
So when I first came into the Moonrise, I was met with a lot of resistance because I was an outside hire. And this is generally a place at that time that only hired from within. Yeah, it's like a family once you get in, right? Yeah, and I had uh, bypassed quite a few people who wanted the job. Oh, shit. Um, so I was met with a lot of resistance, man. And, th and this a job like this is no joke. Like the events go from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. And I can do that five days a week in a row. Like I'm not sleeping. And when you have somebody following you around, looking for everywhere you're messing up, right? trying to build a case against you that say, hey, Kevin's not qualified for this job. Little did they know, dude, I was born to do this job. <laughs> so that just pushed me further to get my act together and uh, to outwork all the people who were trying to, to bring me down. And it was a blessing in disguise because it really made me hone my craft super fast. Yeah. Um, and plus the high volume of events I was doing, it was a sink or swim situation. So I just did my best. I showed up every day. I showed up early. I stayed late. I tried to build good teams of people to help me out. And I just kept it going. And I just, I just knew that I was meant to do this job at this time in my life. Yeah. And that although from the surface, it looked like, Hey, He's never worked in a hotel or, right. hey, he's never um, managed simultaneous events at the same time. Yeah. I just knew I could figure it out and I did it. And, and now I think I'm the best at it. So I just kept working away at it until I really felt that I was the best at it. Not that anyone else thought otherwise. Yeah. It seems like people are presented with these kind of moments, right? Where it's kind of like a fight or flight thing. And it's like, this is your moment and you can seize it or you cannot and seizing it sometimes means being super uncomfortable and pushing hard and like just you know busting your ass um so it's cool like like eminem says what does he say i just listened to that do song not miss your chance to morning. blow <laughs> this opportunity comes once in a lifetime <laughs> Dude, did you did you i had about a thousand clickbait things uh about like unexpected eminem performance yeah why did nobody play, can why believe did he play it? That the oscars song? Well, I so apparently 18 years ago he won that song won best whatever artist or best song or gotcha. something. Gotcha, it's that anniversary hit. Is it for and, Eight Mile? Well, and he was yeah, and he was like, uh, he was like, no, nah, I'm good. I guess he had like a a show the month before he done the Grammys the month before, so he was like, fuck all that. And uh, so I guess 18 years or 17 years later was the perfect time to just drop in and do the song from that. <laughs> And yeah, like it just seems like an uninspiring performance because yeah. it's like karaoke at that point. You <laughs> right, know, right. It's, you're not hitting me with anything new, even though that song, you know, obviously very inspiring, especially yeah. for us white guys. Be rabbit, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously it inspired you in that moment. So. Every morning, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's it's cliche, but but that was a moment in my life where yeah. it was make or break. And, you know, I'm, I'm not just working for me. I'm working for my mom as well. She has uh, schizophrenia. She, you know, she's in rough shape. And uh, I just knew. I didn't that. know that. I know she was not doing well. She, like, diagnosed schizophrenia? Yeah. When did that happen? When would she get diagnosed? Because she was so, like, when we were in school, she was. She was fine. It was yeah. onset later in her life. Um, really? So it was in her early 50s that Fuck. that it came about isn't that normally like a more men and like or like you get it yep. like i had nick lambrew on that has schizophrenia and, yep. and hit him he's like textbook right like tw early 20s exactly it's, it yeah. is when it really starts to show and all that yeah, yeah. It's, it's very unusual case but um to live through that like I, I, you know, it's funny as we get older, the roles reverse with our parents. I, I, don't, I don't know, know if, if funny is the right word, but that, but yeah, it's, it's, 
heavy, you know? Yeah, it is heavy, but dude, I'm an optimist, so we'll say funny. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so I use yeah, that one a lot. just, you know, a lot of pressure and, um, yeah, our, our mutual friend, Paul, shout out to Paul Newman. Uh, he kind of told Bonsai. me, he, he told me kind of like what you were going through, like cliff notes version of it. And I yep. just remember just being like, man, I mean, you're the, you know, the, the patriarch, like the man of the house, the man of the, you know, it's, uh, admirable to have i mean you know i don't know if you even feel like you have a choice but i mean you're you know taking a really hard road you know doing that it's got to be it's got to be a lot yeah there is a choice um i mean some people choose to recede some people right. choose to escape yeah yeah but i mean it probably yeah. i'm sure didn't feel like a choice for you you're just like this no, is what i gotta do because you know for me it was just hans meant so much to me that i felt like now i had to be here on his behalf yeah, you, you took his name, right? That like you're Correct. originally Kevin Kurzweig. Yeah, yeah you and got, got it. your name legally changed. Yep. Although not legally changed in my phone. So <laughs> I always <laughs> call okay. Kevin. I, Kevin. I mean, um, both of my names are correct. So. Call Kevin Newman. <laughs> yeah. Calling Paul Newman. No, call Kevin Kurzweig. I don't see that, you know, anyway. Yeah. No, both names are correct. They're both my names. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry. Okay. <laughs> that was a tangent. Um, yeah. So. Fuck, what did, like, what, I mean, we don't have to get deep into it if you don't want to, but, like, what, like, where, I know there was a lot of shit that went down when Hans died, like, with the house, and, like, you had, like, you get basically, like. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell my story, you know, in case it helps other people figure yeah. it out. Like, I didn't have anybody want, yeah. to give me a blueprint for how to figure this all out. You know, my, uh, my stepdad who raised me died without a will, um, and. He died suddenly? Yes. Yeah. Unexpectedly rather. Yeah. 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 yeah heart failure. And, yeah. um, and yeah, you know, he died without a will, without his estate in order. And Hans was a rambling man and in his younger days. He had a daughter in Sweden that he didn't know about. So he had a daughter, he had left the country. And then many years later, when his daughter was 40 years old, contacted him, finally got a hold of him. Because back in the old days, you know, once you yeah. left, you were gone. Right. All you had was the yellow pages. He's not in the yellow pages. He's not an American <laughs> citizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but finally caught up to him. And, uh, you know, I met her. We all became family. But it seemed like in his, in his death that the family quickly became split. Yeah. And she was just out for the money. She was just out for, well, you know, what's in it for me. Felt like she was owed something. From day one, yeah. man. Like, you know, like when when that phone rang and we we're like, hey, you know, how are you? Everything okay? She was basically like, where's my money? And she didn't really lose somebody other than the idea of a father, but like she Correct. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to us, he's family. To her, right. he's, uh, blood, but not right. necessarily family. Yeah, at that yeah, rate. yeah, yeah. But, you know, anyway, so that be that's relevant because the estate got split. So that meant that we had to sell Hans's asset, which was the house. Right. Um, so, yeah, so we had to just up and move. Wow. Um, and he had a tremendous amount of credit card debt, which if anyone uh, faces that in Missouri, good news for you. You're not liable for that at all. Um, if your parents or your spouse die with credit card debt and the credit card's only in their name, that debt dies with them. If you have a joint account with them, 
you're going down. That's why I tell my wife, I'm like, everything's separate. Everything's yeah, separate. Seriously, and, Anything you know, bad I do, you yeah. don't want it. What, what? Just borrow my credit card. What, what do we both need to have our names on it for? I just yeah. let my debts die when I'm still alive. I'm just like, nah, <laughs> I'm not paying that. That's not the yep. way it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to find you after they hear this. I know that. <laughs> Maybe you should have stayed yeah, off. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're definitely listening to this yeah. this podcast. But uh, but yeah, so we had to sell the house, man, and that was tough. So uh, you know, a house that was that was lived in for twenty five years, I, you know, single handedly had to move out. Thankfully, I had my friend Tom Dreyer to help me with the heavy lifting towards the end. But you know, it was a slow process, and I was working this job at the same time. I just got hired at the Moonrise, which is like wild hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm working eighty hour weeks, and when I'm not working, I'm I'm. And you're trying to prove yourself too. Like you're trying to like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so how was your mom doing at this point? Was she, had she had that break or was she just like emotionally? Um, at this time her medicines had kind of leveled out. Most of she'd already been like, so she had gone through some serious episodes. Yeah. She had already been dealing with it when Hans was still alive. Oh wow. Um, and went through some stuff after he passed away. But at this time, when we were moving, she she was leveled out for the most part. Yeah. But, you know, she's on disability and all that. So, you know, I don't know if anybody has a loved one with Alzheimer's, but it's similar where you're looking at the person. It is them, but you talk to them and it's not them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a haunting experience. I, I don't think I have words for it, but especially someone like a family member that you've known your whole life. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's, like your mom, you've known your whole life. Yeah, yeah. like, and now all of a sudden she's yeah. there, but she's, she's not di- there. Yeah, it's different. Her. Yeah, I can't um, imagine. But at this time, it was her. Thankfully, modern medicine was helping us out at that time. You know, it's an ongoing struggle trying to find that balance. Does she kind of come in and out, like where you're like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. every day you don't know, right? You know, I may get that phone call that's like, she's you know, hanging outside the Texaco, you know, uh, you know, she's asking everybody, did they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You don't know what's happening that day. (laughs) I may come home and all the foods in the the trash can and it's riding on the walls. You don't know what there's going to be, you know, I may come over and she may think I'm uh, an attacker. Oh my God. You know, so during those times, it's like we're clearing the knives out, we're clearing the credit cards, we're clearing the stuff that, that would, could make a fire, you know, like we're really. And yeah, and like you said, there's no blueprint for you. Like you're not you're right. just like figuring it out every day, like, oh, don't. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so we moved the house out and uh, I put her in an apartment, put her in Georgetown apartments. <laughs> Jordan knows it well. That's yeah, where I lived when I was in college. The streets of Georgetown apartments. Yeah, dude, sh- shout out Brad Devine too, man. He was out there rolling with us as well. Oh well, yeah, rest so, in peace, Bradley D. So, uh, so yeah, so I put her in Georgetown, and I'm not too far away. I'm over by uh, Shrewsbury uh, Police Station. <laughs> There's a bush outside my house where you could post up my address. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a rough ride, you know, and that's just part of getting older. Like it's every day, it's there's something. But yeah. uh, I feel like I'm through the hardest part, and it was through that struggle that I really found my professional identity. But then I also found my confidence as a person as well. I, I don't know. Do you experience that? The older you get, the more confident you get, or the less you just give a fuck about yeah, it was insecurities just, and you know what I mean. Yeah, the other day I was just sitting naked in a sauna with uh, with Corey. And uh, almost naked. Um, 
and I didn't, and it was just like a thing, you know. You had the bow tie on, or what's up? No, I mean we had like a little towel, you know, covering the bits and pieces. But uh, but then like it was a big towel. <laughs> it was a it was a beach towel. <laughs> yeah, I had two beach towels. Um, no, but like uh, you know, I'm a little fatter than I'd like to be right now, and I just I remember thinking, um, afterwards, like the next day afterwards, I was like, man me in high school would have been so uncomfortable, you know, like this, like new friend, business partner, like, you know, we have a lot of like things crossing over and like, I would have, uh, you know, not that I wouldn't have done it, but I would have like, you know, been modest. And yeah. there I'm just like, what's up, dude? Like, you know, and, the crazy and just, part you just is stopped caring then, about that we stuff. We looked great. Well, I, I know that's the thing is that, yeah, you, <laughs> I know I was talking with Lux about this. Like, if you could go back, if you had the confidence that you had now, let set aside like the knowledge, but just the confidence to go back, you would be a Greek god to all women. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, you, you remember me back in the day. I probably had too much confidence anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe this doesn't ring true but for I, you. But I feel like, but, I, for me. but I feel like I would have had some grounded confidence. Oh yeah, instead of back like, then, I was I was just being class clown type thing. Right, right, you know? right. Like a false confidence that you can kind of. Yeah, it was. Buy it was into. almost like, hey, let's all laugh so we're not all yeah um, looking at me. Right, right. Let's all laugh about this situation I've created, or you know, yeah. I, I feel like we were similar in that. Like I, I've, that was definitely a, um, us. What do you call it? Um, defense mechanism against like being chubby and like being, you know, I don't know, just like the stuff that you don't like about yourself. It's always like, um, our friend Lewis, uh, who's oh, yeah. a big boy. He, I remember like, remember this so vividly. People would, I mean, he's fat. Uh, I'll say it, and uh, he'd be the first to say it. By yeah, the way, well, like, and, no, and so that so that was the thing is that shame him. Oh, I know. Okay, like, it's twenty twenty. You got to worry about. But he really would You're like he make that he people make would that say, joke so quick. Yes, people would say like you fat, and and he would say like that's all you got, and then he would rail off like fifteen different you know problems with them, and be like you got on fat. What else you got? You know, and I'm like, damn, like that is he figured out that defense mechanism, you know. Of yeah. like, if I disarm you with that, you got nothing else, you know? And so quickly, people learned, like, mm, that's yeah, not... talking about Eminem, that's that eight mile technique. I was technique. about to say that. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was that's waiting that, to jump in on that. That's that eight mile technique. It's, it's, I'm going to rip myself that's apart right. before you, so you got nothing on me. Damn. <laughs> you know? But he yes. was so good at it. He was so quick at it. Yeah. Um, but then I feel like that was the thing. But for, yeah, you and I you also know. found the hack, which was... Being in a band. Oh, yeah. yeah. Being Dude, in a band. To be honest, the only reason I wanted to be in a band was to, like, you know, be cool, get chicks. Like, that whole thing is, like, I mean, you, you fall in love with music afterwards, but starting there is, like, you know. The fantasy. Yeah, just yeah, like, oh, this is in our so school cool. because we had such a good music scene that, like, we saw the older classmen do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are like, sign us up. Dude, you know? okay. Huge... In our grade, graduating class of 2005, of 2005 shout out, uh, we oh, saw we saw the death of Battle of the Bands. Mm, yeah. We saw the death of, like, music really in general being supported by the school because, like, I don't know, a couple kids uh, got, you know, drunk or whatever in their truck. But Yeah, like, did they keep Spirit Festival going? They did, but it, it this was... 
Spear Festival is like our. Um, that was um, like the. What do you call it? Yeah, it was like the big, the big. Uh, um, fest. Yeah, we're <laughs> smart, dude. We got school. This. <laughs> uh, school. Come on, Drew. It was like the fair, you know. School fair, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, it was really PC. Battle of the Bands was like you know for the bad boys. Spirit Carnival? Festival was like for jazz Carnival. Band. That's the word. Yeah, but but anyway, then like the band that won Battle of the Bands, we get to play at Spirit Festival, which is like the biggest event at Lindbergh High School. And uh, anyway, I just feel like there was like this death of music, yeah. like by um, just like a really sad thing that um. I'll, yourself and myself and, and so many of our friends and, and people older than us had just looked up to, you just look up to the people older than you. And like, I mean, the urge was an inspiration, disturbing the peace, Adair, the OFR mm -hmm. story of the year, all these bands, these are all like people we knew that we were like, that were doing incredible things that you could look up to. And like now, what is that? I mean, I, I don't know at, at Lindbergh, two major things have there's no music. There's no like cool music. I don't actually know what's going on. <laughs> I don't keep, but that and there's no black kids. Oh really? Yeah, they stopped DSEG. Uh, Justin Harris, shout out to Justin Harris. Dude, and that was that was the coolest thing for me. So I had started in Catholic school. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I got asked not to come back, so they can't kick you out. They ask you not to come back. And okay. in seventh grade, when I showed up, and it, it was such a mixture of kids. Yeah from all sorts of different backgrounds. Yeah. Man, it was the best year of my life by far because I had so much fun meeting people from different cultures, different places. Like, yeah. And just like the attitude was so different. Yeah. Instead of being with the same 30 kids for every year yeah. that you progressed whole, through school. Right. Man, it was, it was amazing to be around kids from all over the place. So that breaks my heart to hear that they're, you know, just... I know. They drew the line. Well, that's yeah. the thing, like, that Justin and I were talking about is, like, it's hard to be racist when, like, you have a bunch of friends that are black. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, man. And it's hard to have any prejudice when you have a bunch of friends that are X, Y, or Z. It's a lot easier when you don't, when, when they're an other. You know, you're like, well, I know everybody tells me one thing, but I've never met X, Y, or Z kind of person. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in St. Louis, we're not exactly the most culturally... You know, I mean, you could find it, but it doesn't happen naturally. You know what I mean? There's yeah, the and we were all out there together. And, you know, we were all right. out there oh, yeah. together. And we appreciated our differences. You know, like, like we, we didn't see it as, as shameful to call people out for, for being different. We wore it as a badge of honor. And on top of that, we're in here together. So it's like, we're going to have fun. We're going to get right. through this together. Yeah. Like, what's up? Are we, are we going to have some fun in here or not? Because we're stuck in this room. And I feel like in high school, it kind of, like, separated a little bit, like, kind of cultural like not pressures but like just the way that the world is like you kind of started to get hipper to it you know what i mean like i saw people kind of segment and find their own click you know their own group you yeah. know what i mean but like in middle school and especially i know you weren't there in, in elementary school but in elementary school you didn't have any clue what was going on you're like you didn't even see color as a thing i mean you knew but like you didn't know that there was any like prejudice you should have you know what i mean yeah. like you learn all that stuff later and it's just like I don't know. I'm, I'm just worried about our, you know. Well, especially nowadays, it's like the the heightened sensitivity, right? With, with even us talking about this type of stuff, it's like it's it's. I feel like drawing people apart. Yeah. So back then, when it wasn't such a big, like I feel like comedy, back then 
was such a such a combining force and nowadays comedy can be such a dividing force because they're mm. like oh this comedian made this joke went too far yeah yeah oh this person and you're like you can't go too far because the whole idea is comedy is saying things that you don't actually believe in that you're pointing i mean not always there's different but you're pointing out the ridiculousness of something you know sure. and it's like but taken out of context and like written down and uh, yeah i'm with you it's really depressing yeah it's, it's like you it's know. had the inverse effect it's like yeah. okay everyone let's be you know super sensitive about it and try to try to acknowledge the experiences of all all, all people right well in doing that is tribalism so right. we're, we're still dividing people up yeah you know when at when opposed to when we were back in school it didn't matter we're just in gym class and you know like we're trying yeah. to we're trying to win this trying game to hide right your now. wiener in the uh in the well you weren't but oh, dude, well, i go for the tuck <laughs> but I, I go for the waistband <laughs> tuck on that one yeah i remember i remember like finding out that you had to shower in front of people i'm like i don't understand how this is 2000 whatever 2001 we haven't figured out that we don't need to do this anymore yeah, that was uh, that was nerve wracking, but but we got through it. The Jordan, communal so. showers, man. That was that was a weird one. Yeah, especially the in communal. school, like you know, like because I grew yeah, up playing hockey, school. so it's like when you're on with your teammates all the time, it's a little different because yeah. you know these guys. You go yeah. to war together. Yeah, this is like, oh, here's Spencer. All of a sudden, you know, like I got to get naked in front of this cat right now, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is, uh, you you see everybody's dicks. That is crazy, crazy and right? uh, they look alike. <laughs> they look a lot different than I expected. No, I, I was gonna, I was gonna add to that too. There's like a couple guys. Uh, I remember I was like taking showers, and I was like, you know, you you're not like staring at people's dicks, but you just kind of like, you kind of catch it out of the corner of your eye. There's a couple guys. I was like, damn, yeah, I didn't see that coming. Like hmm. it was just like a little skinny fucking guy. He, he wasn't yeah. even athletic. It was like in PE, right? Yeah. And then I was just like, whoa, damn, yeah. Chris. I remember I saw a kid who had a. Uh, we had a piercing, uh, Zelenovich. Oh yeah. Uh, so this kid yeah. had his uh, had his dick pierced in high school. Didn't see that coming, man. You know, yeah. nobody told me. And then all of a sudden, we're all we're he did all it out himself there. too. Damn. Safety pin. Yeah. Well, little little known fact: you can't have uh, <laughs> an adult at a uh, at a piercing place pierce a fifteen year old penis. <laughs> it's not allowed. So. Uh, that's a do-it-yourself job right there. Well, that was excellent work. I got to say, it was symmetrical. <laughs> so there was, he had that going. Uh, I wonder if it dribbles now. I assume it does. Why, why do people do that? Uh, I think just, you know, to be flexing. different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it like, is yeah. it, does it feel good for the, the lady? The ladies no, I think are it, like, they're like, ooh, the, the ball thing on there. I don't think there. it would. It feels good. I'm, yeah. yeah. But I I've imagine. never had sex with the girls, so... I don't really know. Yeah. I'm not sure what. <laughs> I'll let you guys know eventually. Yeah, after the wedding day. <laughs> yeah. At the moonrise on the seventh floor. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet it's more fun if a group of uh, uh, private school kids is watching too on your first time. Because they're so deprived. <laughs> Exhilarating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Be the first step in my porn career. <laughs> that's why I mean it's like trial by fire right so like okay I want to do porn really bad um, but I'm like too nervous about it yeah. so what I had to do is like have a window that has like 50 high school boys right <laughs> so trial by fire and then I'm like oh well I, I'm not going to feel weird about just having like just a handful of people and they're going to be impressed no matter what oh yeah, yeah. you're yeah. like damn 
Yeah. This is sex? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're probably banging lots of girls. Yeah, that's no, wait. A, it was an all-boys school, right? No, come on, guys. Internet exists. Those kids probably oh, yeah. were like, why oh, are they yeah, doing it? Yes. And let's talk about that, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I have two boys. It's person, I'm, though, right? But when we were growing up, man, like, hopefully you had a kid in your class who could draw real good because <laughs> uh, we, we were not able to get on the Internet and, no. and get all this uh, extracurricular information about, about what people are doing out there. Like, maybe Jordan's dad might have had a Playboy. <laughs> no, no Playboys in my house. Look, we looked all day. We didn't find any. Dude, my, we cousin, got nothing. my cousin was always, like, on the cutting edge of technology back in the day. And so I'd go up to his house, and we would, like, you know, we do fun shit, you know, and uh, he had like a, a fucking Sega Genesis, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. oh my God, Sega? Mm-hmm. No, but so that. check this out. Yeah. Dreamcast, by the way. I just want to point that out. Dreamcast was my favorite of all time. It was the best. Anyway, so uh, I digress. So this dude had fast internet, right? So of course you couldn't watch like videos online back then. It was just like pictures. But I still remember sitting there, and we would be like, oh, dude, what time do your parents come home? What time do your parents come home? We'd be, like, watching the, the clock, like, really watching the clock. And this shit would be loading a picture oh, yeah. for 15 minutes. But by the, by the time I got down to the nipple, I was like, oh, shit, yeah. the nipple. Yeah. yeah, man. It was amazing. And I can't tell you how many times uh, I downloaded the wrong picture <laughs> and waited forever to find out. Also, she had a was, penis. That was an expensive, <laughs> uh, expensive mistake because that was we were out of my AOL ninety five three hours, uh, ninety five free hours back then. That CD that you used Dude, to get, yes, not, remember? Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah, I used those up quick. <laughs> um, yeah, what a weird. It's weird that like, it's weird. A feeling old and knowing that like anybody listening to this that's like under twenty two has no clue what we're talking about, like. Now, so much that at least you know with like a telephone like an old you know you see them they're cultural but like the AOL disc that one went right over a lot of people's heads yep. you know yeah but it was such a thing for us you know like oh I'll go all day on that stuff man what about smarter child I don't know what's smarter child you guys remember smarter child no so it was the first it was almost like the first Google in the AOL chat boxes you would chat with Smarter Child and it would give you automated responses. Oh, I do remember that. So you could ask it real questions like, what's the capital of Louisiana? And it, and it tell you, real, yeah. but you could also be like, you know, what is life? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it was, you it's know, like a, it was like the first like series. Siri. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, like a little baby mm-hmm. Siri, yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of those references that, I mean, I don't know, are the kids that nowadays missing out? Probably not. I feel like they're missing out on records and what it was to have like a Walkman yeah. and like only listen to the same album over and over because that's all you had. Well, yeah, there's something about um, about these like antiquated sort of, there's something about just owning like 10 records or 10 albums, 10 digital pieces of music because then you really get to know those because it's all you have. Yeah, Whereas, and we had to ride our bike to go get them. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, like, kind of burns into your brain. Like, I remember, the like, one of the first CDs I got was Brandy. Mm. $22. Damn, dude, at, that explains a lot. <laughs> that explains all the street cred you got nowadays. <laughs> but, like, I remember going to, it was, like, $28, and you went to Best Buy and had to, you know, search through the thing on Tuesdays and, like, just like, I mean, I remember going to buy that. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it wasn't a memorable album 
for me, I bought it because there was like a single or something that, you know, that doesn't exist for kids anymore. And, and they probably have, they're way more well-rounded with like, they hear a lot more stuff, but like they don't maybe see things as deeply or, you know what I mean? Like get yeah, as deep in the stuff. Is it too much? Like, you know, is it too much of an abundance? I don't know. They're not like yeah. emotionally connected to anything. It's like, cause they can have everything. Yeah. 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 Whereas we have memories of stuff when we were a kid. Like I remember I had actually a single CD Metallica, which I was like, I don't think I was really into that music back then, but I really <laughs> love that song until it sleeps. Oh yeah, sure. But like I loved it. it was one song on the cd and i just like played that shit over and over and over mm-hmm. yeah and so now when i think back on it i'm like really attached to it whereas now like the entire world is open to them so it's like they just want to consume and consume and consume you know yeah They're not really attached to it we sound like a bunch of boomers right now yeah and that was uh that was <laughs> when the uh the radio station was was big dude i used to be calling the yeah. radio station all the time 969 d-u-d-e I you know, the, the dude point. line is back. I call it all the time. Yeah. And I would request songs that, like, I know they were going to play anyway in hopes that they would use my recorded voice, like, requesting that oh, song. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean, dude? And I would just redial and redial. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We were so bored. Yeah, yeah, you right, know? right. So, like, prank phone calls. Man, I got deep on prank phone yeah, calls. As, man. Yeah. Uh, I remember, like, the, the Bart Simpson prank phone call oh, yeah. thing. Like, spawned a you're like oh that's a thing and then yeah and then i remember the first time that you found out that st- like somebody could star 69 you your head exploded like they called you back and you were yeah. like but you didn't know about star 67 i still use star 67 do you big time <laughs> if she's not picking up is that i'm a- gonna star six seven <laughs> <laughs> and it might be me but you don't know that's like an old, you need to get like, there's like new shit. You can spoof your phone number now. There's like an app that you could like say I that you're the, that. the president calling. Oh, yeah, you oh really? Like so I, I can, I can. You can make it her best friend. And she's like, hey, Tisha, is that you? And you're like, no, nah, it's me, Kevin. Where were you last <laughs> night? <laughs> Dude, I, 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 that might be too much. Like, I think the blocked call is better because <sighs> when she does pick up and it's me. Yeah. I feel like I can own that I blocked my call. I can't own that I just lied and said I was Tish. Yeah, you can. You're like, oh yeah, the the phone, the way the phone companies are working now. I do. I have Cricket. Is that uh, maybe our lines got wires, crossed? Yeah. Yeah, you bet. You need to go on that Signals iPhone crossed. tip. That's what you get for the Pixel Four. All right, Google's an ad company. But dude, that's how all the the uh, the spammers are doing that shit now. They use yeah. a like spoofers so they can make it look like any phone. Like, so I used to work at Apple, right? We'd have people come in all the Keep time. Keep talking. Like, I gotta pee. Okay. We'd have people come in all the time and they were like, yeah, Apple called me and they said this, blah, blah, blah. And I need to verify my you know, credit card information. And I'm like, no, that wasn't Apple. They'll never call you. But literally you can go in and type in whatever phone number you want. To so, pop up, man. Yeah, to pop up. So it can, it can look, it can actually pop up and say like Apple, mm-hmm. you know, like if, and most of the people that come into Apple, they actually have Apple's like customer service typed into their phone. So it, it actually pops up as Apple customer service. Yeah. So people were like, this is official. No, man, they're using like Google Voice or something. Yeah, there's all sorts of phone scans. So I had a friend who apparently in the prison system, there's this phone scam thing going on that these guys who are locked up will call you. And the whole idea is that they're trying to keep you on the phone for an extended amount of time. The more time you're on the phone, the more money that that this algorithm cooks up. So they'll call you and they have your information so they can say your they can see your family members, you know, so on and so on. So they'll call you and be like, you know, I got so and so held hostage here. 
uh, I, I need oh, you yeah. to, uh, I need you to tell me this. I need you to send me this money. And the whole thing's fake, but you're talking to a real person. Right. So it's like, this isn't a recording right now. This is someone who really says they have my family member locked up. The phone game is getting deep, man. Yeah. I try to stay off at all. I just call a weatherline forecast news talk 1120 KMOX 321-222. <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I, you know what I'm talking about? Weatherline? I do not. So Weatherline is a, is a, the best way to get the weather in St. Louis. Um, you have to sit through an ad when you call, but essentially you dial 321-2222 for News Talk 1120, KMOX, that's the Weatherline forecast, and you, and you, get, the, uh, you get the best, most accurate weather update possible. And... It sounds know, like an ad right now. So the, I just called it a lot, so I really, know, I really know what's up. But, you know, that's probably the best use for the phone nowadays. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> waiting for, like, a call waiting when you're waiting for somebody to call in. So you three two one two 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 two, and then you're waiting, and you're like, yeah, yeah, call me. And then it, that way it doesn't ring to pick somebody up. Oh, yeah. So that way you get the three-way call. Your phone doesn't ring at night and your exactly. parents don't hear. I'm yeah. sure I did that, man. That's smart. That was the, that was the move. Yeah. And also 444 Film. That was another one. Uh, That's that movie talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to Movie Phone. <laughs> yeah. If you know the number of the, the name of the movie you'd like to see, press one now. To hear, <laughs> browse through current movie titles, press two now. Enter your selection press at any now. time. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it's burned into my I haven't heard. Yeah. I haven't dialed that for like, what? 15 years and i can say it exactly yeah that's what's up yeah there was something something romantic about having to call weather lines so your phone wouldn't ring at 10 30 <laughs> at night yeah. uh, and then every once in a while you'd call a girl and then her dad would pick hello and you're like ah she didn't call <laughs> mistimed it no i would i would i would lay into it i'd be like good evening this good evening Kevin. sir <laughs> i was just calling you know i really try to be polite yeah yeah um jordan i feel like you and i should uh talk about our band okay and how awesome uh how we peaked in uh middle school in eighth grade and how awesome of a business model we had dude i was just thinking about i was talking to somebody about this oh um my wife's a middle school um uh counselor we ran into a friend at a bar uh and they were talking and she was like yeah i uh you know, I just hated middle school. And my wife was like, yeah, I mean, a lot of kids, like it's a really hard time for them or whatever. And I was like, listen to them talk. And I was like, shit, I peaked in high school. I peaked in middle school. Like, I feel like middle school we had was so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. High school was all right too. But like middle school was like, middle school was before you could be cool by like being the high school, or the, 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 uh, the football captain or right. like just the fact the we were the only band in school <laughs> made us the best band. Yeah, we were the best. So band. we were really smart and we went to a studio um, and recorded red light recording, yeah, red red light light. recording which is in Crestwood. They're and, probably still around. Uh, not and, in uh, we dropped it. We dropped our album. Um, <laughs> an excellent, an excellent uh, work of art. And we printed CDs. We made like cool covers and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and we sold them. And we sold so many because we were the only people selling CDs in the whole of school. We sold them for like, what, five, ten bucks a pop? I forget. Yeah. But it I was know, like, like $10 a CD. It we was walked like, with like hundreds of dollars, yeah. which for our age was amazing. Yeah. I remember leaving with pockets full stacked. And it was all like, it was right when CD burners like mm -hmm. existed, but they didn't have like the five buys, the 10 buys. So it was like one at a time, you know? And, um, yeah, it was, and we played like our eighth grade uh, graduation recognition thing, mm -hmm. and it was like 
Probably yeah. maybe the best show of my life. Like, Me too. Everybody, like, everybody was singing all the words yeah. to the songs. I mean, like, I remember playing, uh, g- genuinely, like, I remember playing Point Fest. There's, like, maybe 5,000 people there at that, like, watching us. Uh, but they weren't, like, watching us. Right. You know what I mean? They were I had there. The same experience. But I, they when weren't. When I played uh, Fair St. Louis. Oh, yeah. It was like. Well, I played that, too. That was terrible. It was a sea of people, but nobody 30,000 people you. and nobody. They're like, yeah. we're waiting for Montgomery Gentry to play. Yeah. And they're like. Yeah, exactly. But back but then, But something it was about like, playing in front of, like, your entire. Like, basically, your whole world is your graduating class. Yep. And they're being, like, basically forced to watch you play a terrible set. But they're all like jumping up and down and singing words to oh, the we song. Oh, we were crowd just surfing like wild, yeah, man. Yeah. I genuinely now I'm depressed thinking about it. I peaked in seventh grade, eighth grade, whatever that was. We used the uh, the gym mats for Paul's drum set to make him uh, <laughs> a barricade, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's some. That's a that's a gentleman you have to get on here, Paul Newman. Paul Newman, for those of you who don't know, is my best friend. We actually share the last name. Uh, the same last name. You changed and the your same name birthday. to his name just to be closer to him, right? Do I have that right? It's spelled differently, but well, you fucked up on yeah, when I you mean, went to city hall, but 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 we're still, it, you know, we're still close. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. We're just a couple letters off, actually one letter off, because it's just N E U and he's N E W, but we we both have the double N's at the end. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, important. Yeah. Very um, important. This is this is life changing stuff for your audience here. We're also both born on November fifteenth. You guys have a birthday in common? Yeah, man. And that same happens birthday, every year. Same last name, same washer and dryer. <laughs> in high school, we both had girlfriends named Katie. We hate the same things about mowing the lawn. If Paul were here, he could riff more on this. We use the same deodorant. This is Goes incredible. on forever, yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, visited Paul up in uh, New York and was supposed to do a podcast with him and his okay, wife. So I'm so jealous that you saw Andrew Schultz oh. live. And and talking about comedy, how how much does this upset you? I didn't even know who he was, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I leaned over Paul. I'm like, this guy's pretty good. I think he's gonna be somebody. And then he's he's the master of of crowd work, and he's he's the master of of crossing the line, but somehow getting away with it. Oh yeah, he was so 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 offensive Mm -hmm. and dirty and terrible. All the things I love, and. You could just tell that he gets off on winning the crowd back. Yeah. You know, and he goes in there and like, he's like, I'm, a, I want to push it so depraved. And then the fun for me is going to be getting the crowd back on my side. It was. Yeah. Well, you also saw him at the comedy cellar, right? Yeah. I saw him so at the cellar like, with Dave Attell oh, and man. Todd Berry. We, we basically just walked up and saw like, you know, Hall of Fame or $500 show for yeah. fucking $20. But that's where those guys go to uh, work out, to work yeah. It out. Yeah. yeah, to do some woodshed. And so it's like, that's probably what you saw with Andrew was him going so offensive. So he knows where it's too far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, he, w- I mean, if you haven't been to the comedy cellar in New York or you haven't been to the comedy store in LA, they are the best places to see comedy, but also uh, for me, my favorite two places, I mean, if I go to the West Coast, like I'm finding a reason to get to LA to go to the Comedy Store. And if I go to the East Coast, I'm finding a reason to go. Every time I go with Paul, we go to the Comedy Cellar because it's like, or nice. like the fat pussycat or whatever the, uh, yeah. like 
Because you just see I, the same thing. The last time I went there, I saw a bunch of comedians I didn't know. And they're know. historical places. And it's just interesting because it's like people talk about the good old days. But oh what was God. great about the good old days in those venues is still happening right now. Yeah. And people will. Yeah. This chick, Jessica Kirsten, this crazy thing happened that I won't go into. But it, it was wild. And, um, and she was like thrown off. And she had this great set. And then like. Two days later, she was like on one of my favorite podcasts. And then she was like, four days later, it was like, oh, Bill Burr is putting out her special. And it's like, you're like, oh, damn, I'm on the, like, you know, like you got that inside track on like the new hot shit. You're seeing it there. And you kind of just, you don't have to like, in St. Louis, by the time something comes here, it's a well-established thing. There, you're like sure. getting the early peek at like, at just really like comedy genius, comedy gold, you know, yeah. for $15. It's like wild. Yeah, we do only get the established acts, and it seems like people really come out, music, comedy, whatever it is, come out for those established acts. Yeah. What do you, you know, you've been doing the podcast, you know, you've been in St. Louis music your whole life. What do you think about the current state of St. Louis music? What do you think about St. Louis as a music city? So I have a really not um, not valid thought on it because I, I'm just not in it, you know? Like I was talking uh, with Ricky from Foxing on the last episode about this, um, if this comes out after. Yeah, it will. Um, there's a lot of cool shit happening here, I think. I just don't know about it because I'm 33 and I'm, you know got two kids it's just like i don't have time for it but to be honest i wasn't even the only reason i was really probably even into it when i was in the band was just because i had to be into it and then there was probably this whole like indie thing happening that because i was in a rock band that i wasn't aware of you know um i know that a problem that exists in st louis though more broadly but that is very specific to music also is like we have a bad our city does a shit i love our city i'm so happy to live here i wouldn't live anywhere else but we do a terrible job about promoting and lifting and supporting the cool shit yeah and there's a lot of cool bands that like think about what a couple thousand dollars could do or ten thousand dollars like could do for a band i mean it, it could make their career and i'm like i look at all these you know Purina or I don't know whatever like what are they doing like find find a fun little band and like make that shit you know what I mean like you could literally make a band yeah well I'm doing their events um and Purina yep <laughs> uh Monsanto Purina all, all the corporate heavy hitters okay and dude they hire cover bands yeah. they hire cover bands for for their parties yeah I, I see them every weekend it's safe yeah mm -hmm. i mean no shade on cover bands but like yeah you play the hits that's fine yeah exactly but but if you're talking about like that integrating yeah and uplifting you know right these artists who are trying to make it and there um, are some artists i mean get i get not hiring a rock band but like there's some artists that are like good easy listening stuff they could also like learn 10 covers or like five covers to like you know sprinkle in or whatever like there's a <coughs> sorry there's a there's a missed opportunity um and and just even further than that it's like just giving like i i don't know i will say it seems like the local microbreweries and the, the beer companies they do a good job of facilitating local music having events that that Oh yeah, you for know, sure. That show that showcase um, local bands. But to be honest, the local like the the microbreweries, that's like 
that's like the older brother helping out the younger brother. Sure. Like I'm talking about like mom and dad taking mm-hmm. the wheel. You know what yep. I mean? Like, yep. like where, we where, a, we where have a lot they? of that. Like even like a lo-fi on Cherokee street. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Like you said, it's, it's just the people who are limited on resources coming together to make the best out of it. We're all going to band together to make something. Right. But there's not that top down support. Yeah, it just seems it seems obvious to me of like, hey, you have a boring giant brand and a ton of money. Like, yeah, it just breaks my heart about Lufest. I mean, you know how much I love Lufest. Oh, I know. Some of the best times in my life I had at Lufest, <laughs> and uh, we went together, and I was like, why is he having so much fun? <laughs> just like a kid at a candy uh, shop. You know why? <laughs> and uh, but no, man, it was even Lufest was like they had a couple of local bands play, but yeah. it was mostly about Nationals. a national yeah. showcase. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be cool to see Lufest with a couple of the heavy hitters, but majority showcasing you know, the local bands that can really hold their own on that. Well, then venue. I don't think anybody would go. It's like chicken or the egg. You know what mm. I mean? Like the reason Lufest was so popular is because it was like kind of a, a real, you know, festival yeah. that didn't yeah, pay they, their artists. They, but they had some, some seriously uh, acclaimed uh, artists come out. That's when I met Andre 3000. Right. was when he, when Outkast played Lufest. Oh, and he stayed at the, oh, at the yeah, Moonrise? Man. And he wore wow. sunglasses all night <laughs> and he said hi to every person who went up to him he took a picture with anybody he talked to anyone he was like the most down-to-earth celebrity i've met to date wow it was like he had this aura about him that like he wasn't from this planet right but he was so welcoming to everyone else who was was he like partying on the rooftop and like yeah <laughs> yeah but, but slow and steady yeah yeah you know, did like, he have like 15 like big dudes like no that was the other thing he had no security no way seriously it was i think it was just an impersonator him. you got <laughs> you got tricked that's why you, he had you the know when, you know when it's andre andre 2000 <laughs> yeah, <that would> be, <laughs> no he yeah. didn't have security um he was just wow. real chill down the earth like that um and, and he was a slow and steady drinker so you know i see a lot of different types of drinkers at my work yeah and the old school drinkers are my favorite yeah. like you know like coming from the old world, which is slow and steady. Right. You don't mix drinks. Right. Like, in other words, if you start with beer, you end with beer. If yeah. you start with vodka, you end with vodka. You don't right, right, right. delineate from yeah. the plan, you know? Um, and he was that that type of guy. I mean, he was drinking cognac, slow and steady on the rocks all night. Yep. He, he had good spirits all evening. He never crashed. He kept it classy the whole time. Yeah. You know? I see people come in and just wreck themselves, man. Yeah. Like they are like, oh, open bar. Let's all do Let's bombs. Go wild. Let's do yeah. shots. Hey, you want a shot? You want a shot? The shot game now is we're for mixing. college kids. Like, come on. The, Your body can take it. The bomb 20. game. Yeah. The bomb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uppers and downers. Yeah. It's not yeah. No, no good. I see a lot of that. Um, but yeah, people mix in. That's when they start making mistakes. That's when I, you know, there was a, there was one night I had a bride. And she was just so far gone. Okay. She like, thankfully she was staying in the hotel, but she got way too drunk. Their, their ceremony was at like two o'clock. Their reception went to 11 PM. She started drinking before the ceremony. Yeah. It's in the middle of the summer, super hot out. So, uh, so she's going all day long, way too heavy shots, bombs, whatever. So by the end of the night, she's totally lost. And her husband is living it up. His whole family's there. He's having a great time. So I go to uh, 
to bring her all her stuff back to her room, her gifts and all that type of thing. I couldn't find her anywhere. So I was like, okay, I'll just bring him down. I knew which room was hers. I can get in. I have the key. So I go down there with a, with a, uh, an employee of mine and we go down there and see her sleeping on the floor outside her room. <laughs> Passed out, dude. Like, <clears throat> like looking real, real gnarly. Yeah. So I'm like, well, we can't just leave her here. So I'll open the room door up and just as we pick her up and we're like going to go put her in the bed, just like rest her in the bed, you know, two guys just, you know, picking her up, resting her there. So she wakes up in, in the bed and not there's a bride in the hallway and people are uploading pictures to Google. Like, look at the Moonrise Hotel, you right, know, right, right. type thing. Yeah. And just as we go to throw her on the bed, the husband walks down, her new husband, and he's like, What's going on here? What are you doing with my wife right now? You know, type thing. We're like, oh, sir, she was uh, dead in the hallway. And uh, (laughs) we just picked her up because we're trying to uh, save her life. And you're like, no, I see what you're doing. And like the softest punch you've ever seen in your life. Just like, just like a little baby bunny just hopping over on you, you know. (laughs) And we're like, okay, you know, like. I know you're trying to beat me up right now, but you're also paying the check. So, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Would you would you like to take another punch? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, man, I just see people wreck themselves all the time. So, a little word of uh, wisdom from somebody who's in the business. If you're going to a class reunion, if you're going to a wedding, take your time. Feel the room out. Stick with clear alcohols. Those will give you the least amount of hangover. And uh, just, you know, really, really know yourself and your limits because you will embarrass yourself in front of everybody you know. And also, if you have to deliver a speech that night, like you're a best man or you're a bridesmaid. Yeah. um, Alcohol will not help you do that better. (laughs) (laughs) And also another another piece of advice, because I see it all the time. Keep the inside jokes to a minimum. Yeah. Um, especially the ladies. You guys, you guys are real like inside joke, like get on the mic and be and talking your own special language, which it's cute at first, but it's also no you're giving a speech to the entire room. So keep keep them on that ride. And gentlemen, nobody wants to hear, especially not the wife's family. Um, about all the crazy stuff y'all got into when you were kids. <laughs> yeah. Keep that at a minimum. Um, Same-sex weddings, same thing. Same rules apply. Just keep it classy. Take your time. Do your speech, and then celebrate afterwards. Do okay. I've got a good uh, a good um, best man story. Uh, I was the best man in one of my best friend's weddings. Shout out to Mike Smith, and uh, I was co-best man with our friend Nick. We both had to write uh, speeches and <clears throat> I talked to Nick and I was like, hey, um, I need to see your speech, man. He's like, huh? I'm like, I need to see your, see your speech. Like, I just wanna make sure that I'm like not stepping on your stuff. Like, I'm gonna go first. I don't wanna step on your shit. Like, I'm just a little bit nervous. Just let me see your speech. He's like, oh, okay. He gave it to me and I'm like, I'm just gonna go read it. So I go around the corner, take my phone out, take pictures of his speech, give it back to him. I'm like, oh, it's great, man, it's great, thanks. So anyway, this is like at eleven in the morning. Um, so fast forward to uh, to this to the speeches. You did, man. You did not do this. I swear, I swear on my life. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> ruthless. Okay, keep going. 
I introduce myself, and then I, I have my speech written out. But on top of my speech, I have my phone. I introduce myself, then I proceed to just read Nick's speech, <laughs> word for word, for about two paragraphs. Did he stop you, or did, did you see that look on his face? He, he was just nodding along for about the first four sentences. Before three, he realized. Before he realized. He's like, wow. He's like, this is going great. He was trying to not step on my speech, but it sounds very similar to what I... And I basically told a story of Nick's that didn't happen to me, and that's when it, when it clicked for him. And he just started doing this nervous... like when Nick is a strong dude that could knock my head off. Uh, but I feel like for some reason... Like, he... He doesn't take shit from anybody, but from me, he'll take as much shit. Like, he always just laughs when it's me. Like, you know, thank God. He looked over at me and just got like, you know that anger, like where you could just punch a hole mm-hmm. through a steel wall? He got that built up and then just started laughing uncontrollably and then just started sweating. And then at that point, the joke was over and I uh, proceeded. <laughs> but, uh, but the, yeah, there's video of it and um, it's like, Genuinely one of my proudest moments. Uh, that could go viral if you just was like, you know, uh, groomsman steals best man's speech or whatever. Well, the know? problem is that only it's like funny thinking about it and telling the story. But like to watch it, you don't because you don't know, you know. But there was like I had, I had told like my wife and like a couple other people like I was like. I, you know, so they're in the audience just losing their shit because they're staring at Nick, but nobody else gets it. You know what yeah. I mean? And then Nick goes to give his, and he just is like fumbling over his. He's like, uh, he's, uh, uh, well, is uh, you know, and like throws his paper, and like we're all still fucking losing it. But like to nobody, everybody else, it's not funny. They're like, oh, he's just nervous, you know. Anyway, that that's happens. brilliant, I'm dude. That. If I was Nick, I totally would have said, yeah. So just case. You guys didn't know what was going on. Jordan was reading my exact speech. Yeah, definitely call so it out. So this is weird now. I'm just going to read it again. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like, I, why not just call it out? You know, and then people would be like, "Oh!" And it would be it so funny. To and hear he would have gotten yeah. the big laugh, yeah. and then he right. would. I know he even would have punched up. you out. Yeah, no, it would have <laughs> been good. How the tables have turned, <laughs> Mr. Phoenix. <laughs> um, yeah. What is another? You have any other wild? You do a lot of weddings there, right? Yeah, like man. I do a lot receiving. of weddings. Um, you know, and, and we do a lot of same-sex weddings. Um, so I see some some pretty interesting groups come through. Uh, you know, everything from like a Dungeons and Dragons themed wedding. Same-sex Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, is that big in the yeah, gay community for, is Dungeons for, uh, and Dragons? For gay gentlemen, yes. Uh, for the ladies, I've seen a lot of like steampunk uh, that whole oh, that's like, hot. Yeah. That, yeah, that punk rock wedding where the where the bride has a mohawk and oh sure yeah the uh, groom has you know a, a, a leash collar on oh okay and uh, you know he's like walking her by the uh, by the collar and stuff like that oh wow a lot of Doc Martens at a party like that yeah yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I mean that's fun a, another interesting event I do is I do Queens in Space which is a drag show it's it's St. Louis biggest drag show every year Really Mhm and I uh, went to a drag show and the they are so much fun Yeah and also make me question my sexuality cuz some of these dudes well, are hotter what, than chicks that you Yeah yeah well when I was uh when I was in Thailand and they got the lady boys was, Sure you know I was going to mention that too It was Weird. uh it's in the eyes that's the only way you can tell 
So uh, an actual Thai woman will stray away from direct eye contact, and a man won't. Oh, but weird. if you just look at them, you're going to say that's a beautiful woman right yeah, there. Yeah. But the only way you can tell is by actually locking in with them. But the, uh, the guys at the drag shows, man, when they, when they dress up as ladies and, you know, they, they take on their personality that they feel yeah. like is truly them. Yeah. Okay, that's beautiful. But it doesn't give you a pass to do whatever the fuck you want oh right because that's how they treat it man like right i can't tell you how many times uh i've been grabbed uh i've been squeezed yeah yeah i've been uh just man just all out sexual harassment and nobody's gonna say oh poor white straight guy (laughs) but when you're on an elevator (laughs) and you're cornered (laughs) and I'll see, I'll see where it takes They're reaching out with that claw, dude. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a challenging moment for everyone involved. Um, Cross-dressers really make me realize, you know, this, like, sort of, like, you know, the woke, like, every, you know, um, men can be women and women can be men and, like, they're, you know, gender is fluid and all that. I'm like, I 100% agree with that like because yeah, i when think you hang out with them you yeah. see it yeah you're like yeah mm-hmm. a, a guy could be a girl and a girl can mm-hmm. be a guy and there's no question in my mind that that is a possibility and you know i mean like it's it's a weird um it's a weird time of transition and i know that like some people have like you know problem with that but to me it's drag shows really bring it into focus as you're like yep <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see it, and it's beautiful because, you know, they, they actually feel comfortable. They, I love seeing it, They actually yeah. feel yeah. Like, like finally they're in a space where they can express themselves. Yeah. Um, some of them get drunk and take it too far, <laughs> but yeah. it starts off in a very good place most yeah. of the time. You well, know? and that's a, that's a dangerous thing is uh, a, a good-looking, you know, person who presents as a woman but as a dude – there's that testosterone in there, and testosterone makes people do bad things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. That's why men have such a bad rap in general. Well, I don't <laughs> think just that, but yeah, it's not helping. <laughs> testosterone is a real mother effort. Yeah, man. Well, uh, but that you know, that's an interesting event. I also do the uh, the Stray Dog Rescue event, which is a crazy time in the summer where you know I got 50 dogs on the roof. Wow. And they're going crazy. They're up for adoption. People dress them up. So it's kind of like a pet fashion show. Oh, wow. And we have a DJ and someone will get on the mic and be like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Buttons, who is a bumblebee and is up for adoption. You know, and it's like this whole yeah. uh, uh, parade of pageantry with the dogs. And uh, it's super cute. And that is fun. cute. Yeah. That's fun, man. Yeah, and actually, I will say, uh, the dogs better behave than the people. <laughs> the dogs are better behaved than the people. I'm telling you what. That's funny. The the people, they tear the food up. They tear the room up. They tear the bar up. The dog just shits in the corner sometimes. The dogs are just happy to be outside. Yeah. They're just generally happy to be outside. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for being here, man. This was um, great to catch up and... Um, Thanks for opening up about some stuff. And, yeah, I appreciate you, know. you having me. There's been a lot of uh, amazing people who have sat here, and, and uh, I'm honored to be one of them. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, man. Um, what else? Uh, where can people – what do you want to plug? You got anything to plug? Bands so, yeah, or? I actually uh, – I am 
play a little bass. I don't know if anyone told you, but uh, play, oh yeah, I play a little bass. He's an incredible bass player, which we didn't get into. But uh, yeah, where can people see you? Where are you playing? Well, it's cool to do an interview that's about me as an event professional. But yeah, you know, I, I do uh, play bass in a band called The Free Years. Uh, we are recording an album right now, and we're dropping singles as we go. Um, but just check it out on Spotify, The Free Years. And um, besides that, come see me at the Moonrise Hotel. I'll, I'll do your party, however weird and wild you want to get. <laughs> I specialize in custom events. Whatever you're dreaming up, I can do it. Stay away from the cookie cutters. Come see me. I will personalize it to you, and all of your wildest dreams will come true. <laughs> all right. <coughs> I'm losing my throat tonight. I think I'm getting sick. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, Kevin K, always great. See, I call you Kevin K, but it's Kevin K-N, K-N, K. It's all under the bonsai tree. It's all <laughs> There's so many inside things that nobody's going to know about, and I like to keep it that way. Uh, bonsai for life. Uh, Drew, thanks for being here, and we'll see all your beautiful faces next week, every Wednesday.